Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week two is upon us, yep. and this just feels right. that We're back to normal. It is you and me. The boys are back in town, and uh, we got football on the TV, and all's right. I was thinking about this earlier today. This is our first podcast we've recorded with the two of us since like mid-June. Yeah, I was telling my wife earlier that you know, prior to us recording with Cam on Tuesday, uh, we had not recorded an episode together live. And I said three months, and she was like, "Is that right?" I was like, "Yeah, probably not." Um, I forget. Did I think we did a "Tell Us About Your Team" episode in June, and that was the we last did. thing we did before your son was born. Um, and yeah, then the next time we recorded together was with Cam. We did a tell us about your team. I don't remember what order it was. We'd have to go back and look. We did a tell us about your team. And then we did a uh, we did like a preseason win total. The win totals just come out sometime in June mm-hmm. for the ACC. And you and I recorded like a couple podcasts that week. But yeah, that was um, that was like mid-June, like right before Kate was supposed to be induced. So yeah, that's it had been a while. Now, you and I talk pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So we had been in pretty good contact for mm-hmm. a few months. Like I'd say no different than usual. Yeah. You know, we're talking several times a week. Most, yeah. Yeah. Several times a week. Yeah. Most days we're, we're in contact. Um, but yeah, that was the first time we hit record with cam. I thought that podcast came out great. I actually listened to it all the way through. I generally don't do that with our podcasts unless, <laughs> you know, sometimes occasionally I'll listen to something we record, but not always. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that one cause I thought it came out pretty well, despite the length of, length of the podcast being like two and a half hours long so say casual two and a half hour week one recap and team preview combo <laughs> but you, you I, couldn't tell you couldn't tell we were excited to get back on there though you know oh yeah not at all god yeah we, not we, at all it was it was pulling teeth clearly between the, yeah, th- the three right. of us we, when's the last time we had cam on before that i don't know that was that was the other element there is catching up with him too well yeah and that was the first time cam had like spoken in like in like weeks right so yeah that was part of it too and and not just to us like literally had spoken words in the world in weeks right <laughs> right that's that's a whole medical situation that he can kind of uh fill you in on a little bit he's, I think he's, he's talked about on twitter a little I was, bit i was gonna say i think he's tweeted, tweeted about it bit. yeah yeah that's the only reason i bring that up but yeah, yeah. so anyways uh it's good to be back in, in the driver's seat and hopefully in a, a little bit of a rhythm here um I, I i was listening to something earlier another podcast that had previewed week two and uh, I thought it was funny that they they said something that I I think at least applies somewhat here to the ACC in particular, but certainly to college football at large is, um, you know what they say is the price of that schedule week one. Brutal week two is week two. Yeah, the the week yeah. two schedule. Now yeah. there there are actually a good number here. We have one conference game this week, if I'm not mistaken, and. We have a good number of even like Power 5 games and G5 games. We've got three ACC-FCS games, but 
pretty much everyone's in action, I believe, and most of them against FBS teams. So it could be worse, but it's definitely not as good as it was last weekend. Yeah, agree. Um, and everybody's going to hype up Alabama, Texas, and that's that's going to go poorly for Texas. That's yeah. That'll that'll be a really good helmet game. The uh, the logos yeah. on the helmet will will make it really exciting. The action oh, yeah. on the field and the scoreboard will not. Yeah, we just talked about a helmet game in the recap with Florida State LSU. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be quite as good as that game. No, I no, I'd be shocked and a little bit disappointed in Alabama if it if it if it were. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. But we do have a a good slate of games here with the ACC. So let's dive in, Mike. Uh, all of these on Saturday, with the exception of one, and we'll start Friday night, seven thirty p.m. on ABC, as the. 0-1 Louisville Cardinals on the road in the bounce house taking on the UCF Knights in Orlando. Louisville is a 5.5-point underdog. Total is 61.5. Mike, I have the soundboard queued up, so do your worst. Oh, you think I'm going to lock this game up? I don't know. I just I got a hunch. I thought about it. Okay, all right, fair enough. I thought about it. Um. Don't feel great about this for Louisville. Mm-mm. Now, you know, perhaps we get a week two bump. Perhaps. I'm not sure Louisville could play much worse than they the way they played on Saturday night at the Carrier Dome in week right. one. I mean, that was essentially the worst that they could have possibly played. Um, and so, and if, some of it was, you know, like scheme execution things. Some of it was effort. Like, just are you trying? Do you look like you give a damn? And that's where, like, I it, it as a part-time Louisville fan, like, it brings me no pleasure to report that I think, depending on how this game goes, Mike, I feel like we might need to put Louisville on quit watch. Yep. I think that's on the table. We talked about this with Cam in the week one recap. Like, they have a really tough November slate, and their September into early October schedule isn't great either. And this is a situation where like the easiest part of their schedule is in that like mid to late October time frame for like a few weeks. And this is a tough, tough schedule for Louisville to try to make a bowl game. And if they come out of the gate, Oh, and two. And I, I always thought this UCF game was toss up, but coming off of that Syracuse loss, this is a must win for Louisville mm-hmm. if they want to make a bowl game, in my opinion, especially yep. with how they looked last week. I think we absolutely need to put them on quit watch. Absolutely do. I just don't. I, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to understand, like, again, how you lose to that Syracuse offense by 24 points. Mm-hmm. And. I, I, this is probably the, the best defense that Dino Babers has had at Syracuse, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, if not, it's it's up there. Um, if they stay healthy, they certainly will be. Right, right. Um, returning a ton, a ton of talent, a mm-hmm. ton of starters. They started a bunch of freshmen in the secondary last year. All those guys are sophomores. A lot of them are good players. Like They definitely have some talent there on the defense, and Louisville really struggled. But they have Billy Cunningham at quarterback, and when you have Cunningham at quarterback, you expect the offense to put up more than seven points. Yes. And I think the offense will play better against UCF, but, man, you're going on the road. Bounce again. house game. Again, bounce house game, Friday night. 
UCF's got the better coach and Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn gets a lot of crap. He's a good football coach. Mm-hmm. They are going on the road against a well-coached football team. I don't love this spot. And this was an, this was a wild game last year. Has potential to be a wild game again this year. But I think UCF is just... I don't even know if they're more talented. I think they're just better coached. Mm-hmm. And the way Louisville looked last week, I would be crazy to pick them this week. I don't think that, you know, could they win the game? Certainly. You know, could they cover their five and a half point dogs? Could they cover? Yes. You know, of course they could. But I have a hard time picking them to do that considering how they looked in week one. I just, I am out on Satterfield. Out, mm-hmm. out, out on Satterfield. I, yeah. He's, he's not long for that job, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, and, and I talked to Mark Ennis about this in our Louisville preview was you talk about the schedule being difficult. And, and I think the way that he described it was it's it's definitely not easy. It is a reasonably tough schedule, but it is fair. And and really, this is a prove it year for Scott Satterfield. You know, he hasn't been bad enough yet to fire him. He hasn't been good enough to like you know, really parlay this into another job. Not that, not that I think that anybody should be able to at Louisville, but it doesn't seem like Satterfield is a guy who's shown a lot of signs that he's trying to stick around for the long term. Um, between all that, and then there were some off-season comments that this staff, like they had made some changes and they had reevaluated what they were doing, and you know, identified their weaknesses and found ways to close those gaps and all that stuff. And then what we saw against Syracuse is a lot of the same old crap that we saw in losing efforts last year and the year before. And it's, it's honestly, it's not that far off from what I've seen at Georgia Tech, you know, with Jeff Collins in terms of, you know, you can say a lot of things and make it sound good in, in the newspapers and on, on the internet and whatever, but like, at the end of the day, if you don't show what you're saying on the field and you're not making that progress and making that difference, then very quickly, you know, people will check out on you and and realize that you're all talk, no substance, you know, all sizzle, no steak or whatever it is. All bark, no bite. That's right. Personal pick, favorite. Yeah. Pick your uh, pick your metaphor there. You know, so I'm um, th- this in a weird way. Man, because you realize then, you know, you play this game and then it's next Friday, you're going to go back home for your home opener on ESPN against Florida State. And if this game goes sideways, that game might be kind of a last stand. Like, yeah, if you start this 0-3, you talked about the November schedule and stuff like for as good as you're supposed to be in the ACC, like you can't start 0-3 and feel like you're going to have a successful season. Like, you, There's just not enough winnable games on this schedule after a while if you're just totally screwing around in September. This is one of the... Louisville's in a spot with Satterfield, and I think, I think last year... We'd have to go back and look. I think last year, in Fuentes last year, I said Virginia Tech would either be 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, but a lot of people were projecting to be better than that, and I didn't really understand why. And coming into this year, a lot of people were projecting Louisville to be like eight and four type, like better, like a lot better, mm-hmm. eight and four or better than that. And I didn't really understand why. And this is why I didn't understand it. Right? Not that I thought they would lose to Syracuse. I didn't. But I thought their schedule in September. I thought the UCF game would be tough. I didn't know what we would get out of Florida State, but considering how they've looked. Like 
I think that Florida State game absolutely could be a last hand. Mm-hmm. Say that Louisville goes into this game on Friday night and say they lose by two scores on the road. Okay. Reasonable. I think that's totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. UCF is, you know, a five and a half point favorite. It was up to six. Let's say they, they cover it by a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. They win by two scores. Louisville goes home, home opener next Friday night against Florida State. Florida State's playing good football right now, right? Through two through two weeks. It, good enough. Better than LSU for what that's worth. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what that turns into. <laughs> yeah. Let's check back in on that like mid-October. Um, Let's do that. Right. But say they win. Say, say Florida State you know, goes in that game and Louisville's 0-2. They've lost to Syracuse in a blowout and they lost to UCF on the road, a team that's it's a very losable game, but you lose by two scores. Then you go home you play Florida State, and say Florida State beats you by a couple scores. Is Satterfield fired then? Oh, this is this is the point where we start looking up contract terms and when does the buyout uh-huh. go down and then the, those kinds of things. Um, and there's also an element of, well, can we just negotiate? Like, we'll fire you earlier for a lower buyout, you know, like, or we can just wait forever, you know, those kinds of things. I I don't know. Somebody else pointed out, by the way, that Louisville has like a pretty much brand new athletic director, and there is a chance that not only has he hired Kenny Payne as the uh, the head basketball coach, he the new athletic director has hired Louisville's new basketball coach and might be staring down the barrel of a football coaching search all in less than a year after taking over the job. Um, and that is not an ideal place to be. I'm sure he's not nope. going to be quick on the trigger, but... You've also got a lot of constituents to answer to at that point. So, um, That's the thing like when when there's a disconnect in the athletic department, right? Mm-hmm. Like this guy didn't hire this coach. Okay, yeah, shorter leash. My point, Mike, is I'm gonna I'm I'm taking UCF in the over. Um, I, I think UCF wins this game by at least a touchdown. Now, yeah. th- this there is an element to me that feels like this is a kind of a dumb pick. This is a a total. Uh, buy high, sell low kind of thing, which is the opposite of what you should be doing when you're evaluating these teams. Um, But I can't shake what I saw last week from Louisville. And as much as I want to just assume that that was a one-week, like one-time kind of um, aberration – I don't, that's all I've seen this year, so I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to lock it up for that reason, but right, that's I, where I'm at. Total is 61 and a half. I, I think there's a lot of points scored here. Um, Louisville did beat UCF last year. I'll, I'll bring that up, and the total was 42-35. The final yep. score was, um, and that was after I believe it was a Jalen Alderman pick six with like eight seconds left, and it was one of the loudest moments in Cardinal Stadium history. I think. I mean, it was what a moment, ridiculous game. Um. I think UCF is going to be fired up to get the win back here. I don't know if Louisville's going to be fired up to play a game at all <laughs> based on what yeah. I saw last weekend. Yeah. Um, maybe this is a thing where the team gets a lot better from week one to week two. Maybe the low energy and stuff last week was just, again, an aberration. I don't know. Maybe Louisville could totally win this game. It's it's possible, yeah. but from what I Absolutely. saw last week, I can't pick that. I can't even pick them to keep it within like a touchdown. So give me give yeah. me UCF minus the five and a half, and give me over the sixty one and a half here. That's where I'm at too. And the only reason I'm not locking it up is because there's not a big enough sample size on Louisville yet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they could absolutely come out, cover, win outright. All that's on the table, but they looked horrible in week one. I don't think they can play much worse than how they played against Syracuse, but yeah, 
maybe they can. We'll we'll see. I, I don't disagree. I, I, I will say this is this is my last thought here. We'll move on. For what I thought Louisville should be and was going to be this year, they should be like either a either a favorite or just a like a two point underdog in this game or something like that. Like right. And and I would have picked them to win if what I saw last week was in line with what I was expecting. But the fact that it was so far removed from what I expected, that's why I'm I, I can't pick them to win this game. So I so we're not locking it up. Are you going to bet this game Friday night? Oh, there's always that chance, Mike. Um, okay, well, if, it's on the table. If I'm betting it, I am more interested in the total in the over, I think. Yeah. Than I am in the spread. Just because yeah. it does feel like a little bit of a game that could go in a lot of different directions, but I feel like most of them involve a lot of points. I'm wondering, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, the only thing, well, I mean, we'll we'll check in on that Friday night, okay? Sure. But me, but um, I, I think the only thing I would bet is the total as well. But I think if I was going to bet a side of either Louisville or UCF, I think the only thing I would consider throwing a little bit on is Louisville money line. Yeah, if you're taking points with Louisville, you might just go with the money line there. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Because I think the outcomes here are UCF wins by a couple scores um, or potentially Louisville just wins the game outright. I I don't know if Louisville is going to win this game by like a field goal or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if this ends like thirty-one twenty-eight UCF, something like that. Like, like last, like like last year, kind of where it's like pick six at the end, and that's how you get to a seven-point difference. Yeah, either UCF wins this by seven to ten points or more, or Louisville wins a game outright. In, in yeah, almost every scenario in my mind. Yeah, so that might be a value pick. Look, take a look at that yep. if you think that Louisville's due for a week two bump. Yep. Yep. All right, UCF in the over for both of us, no locks. Let's move on to Saturday, Mike. Three uh, Before we get into Saturday, buckle up in terms of TV networks here. Oh, God. <laughs> We've got like 11 games, and there is a variety of TV networks that we're going to cover the game, game of, so, so buckle up. Let's start at 3.30 on ABC as the number 17 Pitt Panthers are hosting the number 24 Tennessee Volunteers. Pitt is a six-point underdog as we record this right here. Total is 55. Pitt, you'll remember, won this game last year. They went into Knoxville and beat Tennessee. Um, Tennessee started, was it Joe Milton, I believe? And then uh, was it like around halftime? Joe Milton, yeah. Around halftime, they brought in some guy named Hendon Hooker. Uh, who Never heard of him. Turns out he's a pretty good quarterback. I don't know if you knew that, Mike. Um, but Justin Fuente didn't know that, apparently. <laughs> Definitely did not. Um, Pitt won that game. It turned into quite a shootout, if, if memory serves. Um, I am curious to see if Pat Narduzzi's new, fancy, low-flying offense can uh, ground and pound and just wear Tennessee into submission. Or if Tennessee's flying circus going on there uh, will maybe put up 40 points as they will against anybody and Pitt won't be able to keep up. What, what What's your thought here, Mike? This game is entirely game scripts and it's probably a lot to that. Dependent. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is going to be the battle of, you know, whose offensive scheme wins out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm not even talking about execution like by like whose offensive scheme is going to be able to score more points. I'm talking about whose offensive scheme is going to control the tempo of the football game. Mm-hmm. Like Pittsburgh 
Pittsburgh would be better equipped last year to hang with Tennessee in terms of like how they threw the football, right? And I think that's a big reason why Pittsburgh won that game last year, right? Mm-hmm. It's because they had Pickett and Jordan Addison and Tennessee started the wrong quarterback. So and I think that dynamic, was a lot of it last year. High-scoring offense, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> now, what Pitt did in the offseason is they said, see you later to Mark Whipple. Kenny Pickett graduated. Jordan Addison definitely didn't take NIL money to go to USC. And now Pitt's in this spot where they need to pretend like they're this like revolutionary, like remade offense with, you know, Keaton Slow as a quarterback, and you got a bunch of four-star running backs, and you know we want to ride those guys. We don't want to throw the ball as much. We were throwing the ball too much last year, even though we were breaking offensive records. We will not stand for all these yards and points that our team is account is, is accumulating here. Yes, that ain't we will, gonna work. We will, we will not play modern college football. <laughs> Uh, Good on you, Pat Narduzzi. Well, and I think it might cost him this year, right? Like, this I'm confident it will. <laughs> how? I mean, how are they going to hang in this football game with Tennessee, right? Like, Josh Heupel wants to turn this into a track meet. We talked about this on the recap uh, last week, right? And I was I was doing kind of like a semi, a quick like semi preview of this game. Mm-hmm. Josh Heupel wants to score a thousand points. Mm-hmm. He wants a snap every five seconds. And he, he puts a lot of pressure on his own defense by doing that. We've talked about that with like, we've talked about that actually with North Carolina, right? The way Carolina runs their offense and how Jay Bateman ran his defenses historically, right? Um, now he's no longer there. And I think that's a big reason why. Like, Josh Heupel wants to score a billion points. So I think what Pittsburgh needs to do is they need to run the ball well. They got to keep Tennessee's offense off the field, right? Um, mm-hmm. Tennessee was scoring at will in their opener. Um, they were snapping the ball like every four or five seconds. I mean, it was like it was absurd. They're, mm-hmm. they're getting up to the line of scrimmage, snapping it. It's Pittsburgh's got to be ready defensively, right? They got to line up. They got to get pressure on Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys like Servassier Dennis. Servassier Dennis, by the way, Joey. He he's got the most British name in the ACC. Servassier Dennis. That is a British ass name. That is correct. Yeah. He is our Queen Elizabeth II Memorial player to watch this weekend. <laughs> Presented by Buckingham Palace. And Bet US, weirdly. Um. And, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Bet US has the uh, over under sacks at 1.5. Sir um, Vossier Dennis. Yes, the good the good knight of the Pittsburgh defense. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. He's like third in line for the throne. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, in my mind, like if you're Pittsburgh, the, the the game plan here is drag Tennessee down to play your game. Have to. Have to. If if you allow Tennessee to play their game for the first like twenty minutes of this game, it's it's you over. will lose. It's over. Yeah, yeah you're gonna lose. Um, Pitt's not built to play from behind with this offense. No, no, um, not really. No, maybe slightly better than like the Paul Johnson offenses were, so to speak. But um, no, oh, probably the not. Veer, the veer option. Yeah, I agree. Quote unquote, not <laughs> meant to play from behind. Yeah. Um, no, I would say the, the one thing that, that will be interesting to, for me to watch with this kind of pit defense versus Tennessee offense matchup is Tennessee is going to try to run a lot of stuff, you know, throwing the ball down the field, uh, deep passes, very vertical passing game stuff. The thing is that can take a little bit of time to develop. Yep. 
And the thing that that requires is being able to protect. And I'm not saying that Tennessee can't protect, but I am saying that Pittsburgh's defense is going to be coming after Hendon Hooker. And if you you don't have to give Pittsburgh's defense that much time to to get to the quarterback in most cases. Um, Right. So that is something I could definitely see really disrupting things for Tennessee. Um, For Pittsburgh, I'm guessing a lot of this ends up being similar to the game plan that I outlined last year for Georgia Tech against Clemson, which is the burn the clock slow the game down, limit the possessions like these kind of, get get make sure that Tennessee's offense spends as little time on the field as possible. Um, try to run a four minute drill at the end of the first half and then get the ball back after halftime to make sure they spend like an hour off the middle field, eight. you know, yeah, middle, middle eight. eight them like the whole thing. Like that's that's the game plan here is is keep them from playing their game as much as possible. Make them play yours. Um, if they can do that, and that's the thing, I think you can see that probably in the in, in the first twenty minutes of this game will tell us so much. Is can yep. Pittsburgh drag them down into the muck the way that they want to play the game? If they can, I think they probably win the game. If this turns into a track meet, they're going to get smoked. The one thing I'm interested in watching in this game that I think is going to fly under the radar a little bit because we know Tennessee loves to throw. We know that you know Pittsburgh's defense with their front seven capable of getting after the quarterback. The one thing I'm going to keep an eye on in this game is how Pittsburgh defends the Tennessee rushing attack, which is not going to be talked about a whole lot. But Jalen Wright, Tennessee's running back, had a pretty good opener. Mm-hmm. He had 88 yards on 13 carries, averaged nearly seven yards a carry, had a touchdown. Pittsburgh's front seven struggled against West Virginia's rushing attack in a way that I didn't think they would, right? Because I'm very high on Pittsburgh's front seven, remain high on them. But they struggled against the run in that opener in the backyard brawl, mm-hmm. are they going to be able to stop the run a little bit better in this game? Mm-hmm. And does Tennessee see a weakness there, right? Because we know Tennessee loves to throw. They're going to throw it a bunch in this game. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But Tennessee's rushing attack, you know, does that keep Pittsburgh's defense off balance enough that, you know, they're not able to get after hand and hooker the way that they want to? I think it's going to be a really important, like underrated part of this football game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, give me Pittsburgh plus the six. Ooh. Um, spicy I I will say this is the thing that I always forget is especially at home but just in general Pat Narduzzi is an underdog mm-hmm. has a really good record like yeah. his team they, they might not always win these games but they do a good job of keeping them closer than than at least they should if, if they don't win the game outright um, so I'll just roll with Pittsburgh and trust that they're gonna they're going to drag this thing down a little bit and bring Tennessee down to their level and, you know, at least keep this close, if not find a way to pull out the win. I I do think Tennessee wins. I think maybe Pitt keeps it close, like a three, four point kind of outcome. And give me the over 55 points in a Tennessee game just in general doesn't seem like enough. Um, Implied score here would be like, uh, like 30 to 24, something like that. And, I kind of think this game gets into the 30s. So give me give me over 55. That's, I feel better about the total than about the spread. Yeah, and I'm on Tennessee. I don't think – and again, I think Tennessee's rushing attack is going to be the difference in this football game. Um, I think they're going to keep Pittsburgh off balance enough defensively where you know Pitt's not going to be able to get after the quarterback the way they want to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's me maybe taking – 
a little bit of like a half step back on my expectations for Pittsburgh's front seven, which mm-hmm. I was very high on coming into the year, but I just wasn't really happy what I saw in week one with backyard brawl. And I think that they may struggle here again against Tennessee. So again, crapshoot coin flip, in my opinion, give me Tennessee. I think they win, they cover. Um, and I'm on the over as well, because again, I think Tennessee football games are just going to in general be high scoring. Right. So, yep. um, Give, give me the over. Give me Tennessee. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's defense struggles in this football game. I don't think they're going to be able to get off the field as much as they want to. Mm-hmm. Even though it is at home, that gives me a little pause. But, man, Tennessee with that offense, man, it's really hard to pick against. Yep, yep, agreed. Let's keep moving. Uh, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network, Mike. Boston College, a two-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Blacksburg, taking on your Virginia Tech Hokies. This is our one conference game of the weekend. Total is 46. Mike, how are we feeling about the Hokies? This game's going to be gross. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this game's going to be gross. Um, My So I, I put out that tweet earlier tonight uh, about what we we're going to talk about today, and I described this game as both teams can't lose here. Somebody right. has to win. Those are the rules. Somebody, Yeah, somebody's got to win. Um, here's what I'll say about this game. This is BC's offensive line, I think is the, you have to pick like, both these teams are flawed, right? I think if you had to pick like one area where, you know, one team is like most flawed, you know, over the other, I think it's Boston college's offensive line based on what I saw last week. Like, they were really struggling to protect Phil Dracovic. I think Virginia Tech can take advantage of that in this game. Uh, because for all the times like Tech shot themselves in the foot in the opener against ODU, the one area where they performed pretty well is in their front seven. Now, again, it's ODU, right? And, and BC, you know, it's an ACC team. Obviously different. But Virginia Tech's defense specifically in the front seven Dax Hollyfield graded out like he was second among all linebackers in the country last week pro football focus grade and second highest right so he, he had one of the best games of his career last week oh you're telling me a good good linebacker playing under Brent Pry got even better wow um, imagine that <laughs> imagine that um yeah I mean I, I think that BC is going to have trouble blocking Virginia Tech's front defensively and I think Phil Dracovic is going to be the best uh, well, I mean, say Flowers is going to be the best player on the field, but Phil Dracovic is going to be the best quarterback on the field. <clears throat> but I don't, I'm not sure how comfortable he's going to be in the pocket, not only in this game, but like all year. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how comfortable he's going to be in that pocket. Um, the, the offensive lines he's had in his first couple of years at BC, far better than what he's got now. Yeah. Far better. Than they they lost a good amount of talent off that offensive line from last year. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a sticking point for this team right now. It is. Um, the only guy returning was Christian Mahogany towards ACL in the summer. So they're real They're real young mm-hmm. up front. So I think that because Virginia Tech's at home, because this is Brent Pry's home opener, right, in Blacksburg, night game, because Boston College is, I, I think, going to have some trouble up front with their offensive line, I think Virginia Tech wins this game close. Hmm. Um Tech shot themselves in the foot a bunch last week. Uh, there are some things there that are very correctable. The one thing that I think is is correctable, obviously, but I don't know how easy of a fix it's going to be. It's Grant Wells and his interceptions because he throws a lot of them. He threw a lot of them in Marshall. I don't know how easy of a fix that really is, right? Because 
it's just something he's always done. He's mm-hmm. a gunslinger, right? But I think if he protects the football, Tech's going to be in a good spot to win this game. They they ran the ball well last week with Keyshawn King. I think they found a little something there. Malachi Thomas, who had some good games for Virginia Tech back end of last season, he's getting healthy. I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game. He missed week one. He's banged up his knee in camp. Um, but I, I think Virginia Tech is, is going to put themselves in a good position with their defense in this game. I think they went close. I think it's going to be ugly. I, I, I like the under in this game. Uh, to, total's low. It's like 46. Mm-hmm. I like Virginia Tech in the under here. Um, Tech wins by like a field goal. You know, I think that line is just about right. Home field advantage. I think this is a toss-up game. Could go either direction. But I like the Hokies at home. Year one with Pry, home opener. BC's offensive line, giving them issues. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But I don't feel confident in this pick at all. I don't have a lot of in-depth thoughts here. Um, These are two teams that seem flawed. I think coming in, I was higher on Boston College than on Virginia Tech. But after what we saw last weekend, I mean, both these teams lost – Games that they should have won, uh, which really kind of complicates this whole thing in my mind. I'm going to take Boston College and the points. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I don't think either of these teams deserve to be favored in a game right now. So whichever one's the underdog, just give me that one. Um, Even on the road, you know, whatever. Like, sure, maybe Phil Dracovic comes up with something, whatever. And, Mike, I'm going to take the over. And the reason I'm going to take the over is I believe that both of these teams are going to turn the ball over enough to create some easy scoring opportunities. Oh, yeah. There's going, to be some, there's going to be some cheap points in a, a game where the total is 46. Okay. Uh, so I think this gets into the upper 20s, which is enough to get it there. Just because, again, I, I think there might be one, if not two, like cheap touchdowns here with the way that especially especially Grant Wells, but even to some degree Phil Dracovic and that Boston College offense, like – these teams will turn the ball over, and oh, yeah. and if you do that at the wrong part of the field, there, there's easy points to be had. So give me the over for that reason. But I'm with you. I, I'm not particularly confident. I, I don't. I, there, there's not a lot I feel great about on either side right now. No. Um, I will say that whichever team wins this game, it'll be kind of a big deal. Uh, certainly for conference standings. I mean, this is a conference game, but even just right. like for the sake of like bowl eligibility and like the final record, like this is a pretty good swing game where. It, kind of a coin flip thing, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how things turn out. I think either team could win, but sure, give me Boston College. Why not? Yeah, and I said uh, I sound Virginia Tech's two four seven sports site. I you know I they had me come on do like a season prediction with a bunch of other people. I said Virginia Tech would be seven and five, but my condition was that they had to go three and one in September. And they've already got the one. Yeah, and it's not the one I wanted them to, to lose, right? Yeah. I, I had them, um, I actually had them losing to BC. So I'm kind of going against that pick a little bit because BC looked a lot worse than I thought they would. Not that Virginia Tech looked any better, but BC looked a lot worse than I thought they would against mm-hmm. Rutgers. Um, and I thought a lot of Tech's issues were correctable. I thought they should have won that game. I, a lot of crazy stuff happened there. Yeah. I wasn't so sure BC should have won that game because it was, it was very, uh, up in the air for a while, but this is a really important game because I, you know, Tech's got Wofford in week three, and then they got West Virginia coming to Blacksburg. So, like, that's th- these are some important home games coming up for Virginia Tech here mm-hmm. about the back half of September. Yeah, you talk about them, them, you know, having three games left in September. Two of them are losable, very losable, like, very losable. This very one, and, losable. and you mentioned that West Virginia game. So, yeah, 
this is a uh, this is a big one for Virginia Tech if they're going to be going bowling this year. I mean, you start yep. in an zero and two hole, and uh, things don't really get a whole lot easier as you go through the schedule. So it's hard to see six and six yeah. if you lose this one. So mm-hmm. yep. So I'll take Boston College in the over. You got Virginia Tech in the under. I, I don't know that we feel really strongly about this. Nope. This is a a little bit of a sicko's uh, watching experience, I would imagine. Going to be some weird stuff that happens. So uh, good thing it's at the end of the day in the uh, drunk shift, and uh, we'll all be having a good time by then so that's right let's move on four o'clock on espnu i told you we were going to cover some ground from a tv network standpoint Dear here god yeah your virginia cavaliers mike and, and once again as we say virginia is awesome they are a four and a half point underdog on the road in champaign illinois taking on the fighting illini total is 57 and a half uh, I believe these teams played in Charlottesville last year, and I believe Virginia won pretty comfortably. Um, and that was year one of Burt Bielema out there in uh, at, at Bert. Illinois. Bert. This is year one of Tony Elliott at Virginia. They came off a 17-point win over Richmond last week, and, uh, you know, we, we could go on about that, but I, I kind of like Illinois in this spot, honestly, like – and and I'll, I'll be honest here too. Like some of this, it, it's not even specifically Virginia. It's just watching like how ACC teams have done in some of these out of conference games. That like, do I really really feel good about going in and playing a Big Ten team? It seems like it's kind of pulling things together a little bit and uh, getting a little bit cohesive. They're going to be really physical on both sides of the ball. Should not be really. Should have won that damn Indiana game last they, week. They should have. Yeah, they really should have on, on multiple levels. They should have. Yeah. Um I like Illinois. Uh the total's fifty seven and a half. I like the under too. Um I, I think they're gonna try to drag this game down a little bit, uh, a little bit of a lower scoring game. I don't feel that strongly about it. Not gonna lock it up, but I this is one of those I, I think I'm just gonna go with Illinois. Uh, I feel better about where they're at right now, and this is a little bit of a fade Tony Elliott and that staff that Virginia fans are not gonna like to hear that. And we've we've covered that over the offseason multiple times, but I'm sticking my guns so far. K E Y M O U S E. Oh, just wait till you get to the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse phase. Oh man, that's a whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) sooner than I think. Mm -hmm. I'm on Illinois. Um, Tommy DeVito's looked pretty decent over the first two games. He's been fine, Um, better than he was at Syracuse. Which, lol. God, that that didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Mm-mm. We were wrong. We've we've been wrong about a lot on this podcast before. Maybe we'll even be wrong about this game. Maybe we'll be right about something one day. <laughs> maybe uh, we were really wrong about Tommy DeVito at Syracuse. We thought he would be much better than he was. Yes, much much better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like I like Illinois here. Um, <clears throat> DeVito is he's got four touchdowns to one interception through two games. Like they should have. They, they beat the hell out of Wyoming in week one. They should have won against Indiana last week, conference opener in week two or, or week zero. Week zero and then week one. Sorry. Everything's mm-hmm. all confusing. This is week two. Um, yeah, but I mean, Illinois should have won that game against Indiana last week. I wasn't too happy with what I saw out of UVA against Richmond. They had a lot of trouble pulling away in that game. Um, that's a game that I know UVA's lost a lot, but. Brandon Armstrong should be enough to to get you separation from Richmond, which they eventually got, but it took a while. Illinois, again, Big Ten team, smash mouth football. I didn't – Illinois, when I 
I was more impressed with them, obviously, in, in week zero against Wyoming. Wyoming's like a worse team than Indiana. Mm-hmm. But Illinois did a lot of stuff to like last week, too. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of kept shooting themselves in the foot, which is what, you know, teams with flaws do in the first couple of weeks of the season. They shoot themselves in the foot. Illinois should be 2-0. and And I think that they're going to exact some of that frustration, some of that anger here in their week two game with UVA. And I'm just not sure UVA's got enough offensively, quite honestly. I think Illinois' defense is going to be really annoying to play against. Brian Armstrong's going to really have to carry the ship all year. This game's going to be no exception, but I think UVA's defense really is is going to be you know it's going to have a hard time getting off the field against this Illinois offense. This mm-hmm. Illinois offense isn't like this like high flying machine. Mm-hmm. But they're 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 good enough, and I think at home, you know, UVA is going to have you know a hard time going out there, champagne and and kind of getting Illinois' offense off the field. So that's where I'm at yeah. with it. I like Illinois. I think they win. I think they cover. Um, I like Illinois by about a touchdown here. And again, don't feel too strongly about it. As far as the totals concerned, I mean the the total is fifty seven and a half. I mean that that seems a little high. I think I like Illinois in the under. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at as well. Um, I don't know. I didn't get a great sense for what Virginia is going to be. I mean, obviously it's week one. It's a it's an FCS team. You know, you've got this game coming up the following week, so maybe you're not totally opening up the playbook like those kinds of things. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe there's something more than we saw in terms of effectiveness and uh, and rhythm and, and and those kinds of things. I don't know. New coach. It's a lot of the same guys on offense, especially. But new coaches, new schemes. You know, who knows? So I, I'm with you though. I think something like 24-17 seems about right. Pretty low scoring in a lot of ways. I, I think yep. it'll, it'll be. I think Illinois again will drag this thing down and uh, and try to shorten the game and, and give Virginia's offense a lot of problems. So. Uh, Illinois in the under for me, and I, I think you said the same. So let's yep. do that, Mike. We got a couple more F, uh, F, sorry, Power Five games that we're going to preview. Before we do, let's remind the people about Section One Hundred Three dot com. It is the internet's premier place for buying all sorts of wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. You can find shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, V necks, all sorts of things. They've got shirts and and clothing items with the official tech gold. They've got all the official word marks, including the ATL logo. By the way, that was designed by Steven at, at section 103, that logo that Jeff Collins has been running around with on his shirts and on his hats and, you know, whatever else. Steven's the one who designed that. And it's on the field, I believe even at Bobby Dodd stadium. So that's at section 103.com. You can get those um, all sorts of great things. They've got shirts for baseball and volleyball and, and all the various sports at Georgia tech. So go check them out. Use promo code go ACC for 10% off your first order. I know last week, uh, Friday, was College Colors Day. Of course I showed up in my Zoom calls for work wearing my Section 103 shirt. Mike, you know that. I love that Hell shirt. Yeah. Several shirts that I have. You love your Section 103 shirt. I do. It's good quality. I do. It was, uh, it was taped with the Virginia Tech over it. Like, I was Sean Glennon. <laughs> so, I, pre- I really, I opened that I opened that package up. I was like, man, this, this guy gets us. I bet that shirt's soft, too, huh? Very soft. I wear it all the time. I mean, I'm not even a Georgia Tech fan. I wear the Georgia Tech shirts all the time. They're in the rotation. That's how and good. That's how good Section 103 is. Is yep, absolutely. Mike wearing rival shirts because they're that comfortable and they look that good. So, 
Go to section103.com, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. If you're looking for something to support the team as you go watch games at Bobby Dodd Stadium, you're going to watch the top 10 volleyball team they got running out there right now on, on the flats. Uh, any of the other teams, go go to section103.com. Once again, promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership. Uh, it was a great first season last year and excited to continue it into this year. Uh, let's get some more Section 103 going in the fan in the uh, in the stands and send us pictures on game day of what you're wearing from Section 103. We are uh, happy to help promote those. So appreciate those who do. Let's move on, Mike. Noon on the SEC Network. That's a normal game or a normal TV network that we watch ACC games on. The number 23, Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee. Total is 65-and-a-half. We found out earlier this week, it got mentioned on, uh, on the recap podcast, we found out on Tuesday, I believe, that Sam Hartman has been cleared. Uh, yep. He's a full go, and it turns out whatever medical condition he was dealing with was like a blood clot. That sounds like it was very delicate, very scary, had potential to be a huge problem, if not yep. like fatal. But yeah. they but they got it taken care of. They they got him healed. He is a full go, full you know, full blast. And then I think we said this line moved like a touchdown or something when that news came out. Yeah, I mean, you can't play football on blood thinners. Who would have thought? Right, not a good idea. So, no, not not a great idea. So. Yeah, I mean, CM Hartman's back, wakes a 12.5-point favorite. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt's offense looked really, really damn good um, on the road at Hawaii. Like, they scored a literal, literal like, billion points. Um, Hawaii's literal. bad. Like, billion points. <laughs> ton of points. Um, Vanderbilt's heading in a good direction. They're still going to be very, very bad this year. And... I like Wake's offense a lot. I can, I'm concerned about Wake Forest defense, though, a little bit, and that's like always been always been the sore spot. Obviously, they weren't tested last week against VMI, so we're still kind of we're still kind of waiting to see what they got. But I think like if there was one concern about Wake Forest, it remains their defense, right, and kind of what that's going to be. You know, Vanderbilt with their quarterback Mike Wright. Um, you know, he's already got six touchdowns this year. He's got six touchdowns for the year, four on the ground. He's a dynamic quarterback that I think could give Wake Forest some problems. And I think Wake Forest wins this game, Joey, because they have like enough, like more than enough offense, I think. You know, they don't have one guy shouldering the entire load. But I'm not sure that Wake Forest defense is going to be able to allow them to pull away in this game on the road. I actually like Vanderbilt to cover here, 12 and a half. Hmm. Um, I'm on the Commodores. Taking the home dog. I'm taking the home dog. I think I think Wake wins. Um, I, I won't even say like Wake wins close. I think they win by like seven to ten points. But I do like Vanderbilt to cover here. I think Mike Wright adds a adds a option to this offense for Vanderbilt that adds a wrinkle for Clark Lee that they haven't had right in in definitely not year one. Mm-hmm. And I think they have that now. And Vanderbilt again still going to be very bad. They still play in the SEC. It's going to be a hard season for them. But this is a game where I think they could stay competitive for a little bit um, because Wake Forest defense, I think, will have trouble defending Mike Wright. Mm-hmm. So yeah, give me give me Vandy, home dog. I think they cover um, 65 and a half. 
give me the over. I think there's a ton <laughs> of points scored in this game. But yeah, I, I like Vandy at home to cover here. So let me ask you this, and and this is an honest question: do you do you know when Vandy played Hawaii? Do I know when they played Hawaii? Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Hawaii in week zero. That was two weeks ago. Correct. And I bring that up partially because I had forgotten about that, but that's you know, there's a whole passage of time thing going on in my life right now that is. Uh, Hard to keep up with. <laughs> I can relate. So, but the thing, the, the point is, is that they played again last week. Do you know who they played last week, Mike? Vandy. Uh, they played Elon last week. And do you know the final score? I, I don't know the final score. It was 42 to 31. Like, that was kind of a competitive game that they played with Elon. They went up 28 to 10 at halftime, and then that thing got a little bit, a little bit snugly in the second half from a scoring perspective. So... <laughs> <clears throat> is Elon is is Elon better than Hawaii? Well, yeah. See, and this is the thing is like right, right, I realize right. that Vandy kicked the ever loving crap out of Hawaii, right. but Hawaii might be an abject like disaster, like bottom three team in the country. Bad. That, like ag- agree. Todd Graham, I believe it was that just left that program. Like absolute smoldering crater that he left yes. there for Timmy yep. Chang to deal with. Um. There is a chance that they are absolutely atrocious. And uh-huh. so I realized that Vanderbilt beat them by a lot. They might not be any good, even still. Um, right. Now, there's probably like a there's there's layers to this of, you know, who who is better? Well, you know, Wake Force is on one tier, Vandy's on another, and then Hawaii is two tiers below that, and maybe Elon somewhere in between. Um, the point is, I'm taking Wake Forest to cover. I, I think they win this game by at least 14 points. Um, yeah. I think Wake Forest, I mean, there's, they're ranked for a reason. They get their guy back, Sam Hartman. He hasn't been gone from the team for that long. And, uh, you know, I, I think a guy like him, he's he's been the quarterback. He started at Wake Forest in 2018. Like, yep. it it is bizarre how long he's been there and, and how long he's been playing. So the, the point is... His first game was against Tulane. Remember that CBS Sports Network on oh a Thursday gosh. night to open up the season, and we were wa- we were locked into that game. Wow, how do you remember that? That's impressive. Um, I, I'm 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 a psychopath. And <laughs> Purdue was playing that night with Rondale Moore, and that was like the Rondale Moore experience. He had like four touchdowns in their opener. They were playing. Oh yeah, they were playing. Kirk Herbstreit was calling the game. I remember that. Yeah, because it was 2018 that Ohio State went into West Lafayette. And, anyways. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about? Give me Wake Forest in the over. Um, yeah. I, I think Wake Forest can win this game by at least 14 to 17, if not more. Um, I don't know that Vandy's offense is actually that good. I'm pretty sure their defense is that bad. And I think Wake Forest is going to roll up some some points here. So uh, Wake in the over for me. Uh, but Battle of bad defenses. Yeah, exactly. But I, I totally respect taking the home dog here, especially in a home, dog, a home double-digit dog. So home dog on them. Yep. All right. Last uh, power five game here, Mike uh, Duke, a 10 point underdog on the road, taking on the Northwestern Wildcats total is Wildcats, right? Yes, that's correct. I haven't slept that much this week, so I'm just making sure it's okay. That's all right. We'll speed this baby up. Totals 59. It's at noon on the Fox sports one. Uh, again, we're covering a lot of ground here. I'd say. I uh, I don't know. I mean, Northwestern looked pretty good and or was helped to look pretty good two weeks ago by Nebraska and Ireland. <laughs> they didn't play last week. I think give me Duke and the points. 
I don't know that they win this game, but you're giving me 10. I, do I really trust Northwestern to go out there and score 35 points again? Probably right. not. Right. I think this is a lower-scoring kind of game, and so at that point I don't know that they get the full separation. Duke might be a little better than we thought they were. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. They'll still be bad. Yeah, so I, I guess give me Duke in the 10, uh, but I, I think Northwestern wins this maybe by a touchdown or so. And uh, give me the under, and let's lock that up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. I'll be shocked if this game gets into the 60s. Total's 59. No way. You said everything I wanted to say, including locking it up. Joey, under 59, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Double barrel locks. And y'all thought I, I lost the soundboard. I agree with absolutely everything you just said. <laughs> so I won't prolong it any further. Duke in the points. I think it goes under. I think Duke's a little bit better than we think. I don't trust Northwestern to score a bunch. I think they score enough to win, though. Mm-hmm. I, I also don't trust Duke to score a bunch, despite what we saw against Temple. Again, you talk about bottom three teams in the sport right now. Um, Temple's really, really bad. So don't put too much stock into that game last week. Duke is going to be terrible this year. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, are they going to be a terrible three and nine, four and eight, or they're going to be, like, be a terrible like two and ten? Yeah, like it's a swing game for mm-hmm. those of us keeping score at home in that regard. So, um, yeah, Northwestern wins this game. I like Duke in the points. I love the under. One of my favorite picks this week. If they play this game ten times, how many does Duke win? Four. Four. Wow. Okay. I was going to go like two to three. Um, three. You want me to do three? I'll do three. I mean, I, I think Northwestern has some competency. I, I don't think that. I don't think that Duke is at a point right now that they're going to be a really totally even match here with with Northwestern. But I don't think it's so lopsided that they play ten times and Northwestern wins every single one. I mean, we're due for a good Northwestern year. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It's an even number year, Mike. Yeah. So, anyways, Pat all right. Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald has that job for a reason. He does. He does. He has never lost that job for a reason. Nope. Uh, all right, Duke and the under for both, for the both of us. The under is both of our first locks of the week. Let's move on. 7 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. <laughs> The Syracuse mm-hmm. Orange are a 23-point favorite on the road in, what is it, Hartford or whatever, wherever UConn is. Yeah. Taking on the Huskies. Total is 49. I'm not going to draw this out. Mike, give me Syracuse and the over. I think they might score 49 points by themselves. Uh, I think they are going to smack UConn around here. I there, There's only two guys on Syracuse that are going to get the ball as normal, and I don't know that UConn can stop either of them. So yeah, Syracuse big here. Uh, they'll cover twenty three. They'll they'll go over the forty nine. Honestly, if I'm betting this, the first thing I want to look at is Syracuse team total. Give me the over on that for sure. You know, we all love dunking on Louisville, right? And we did that off the top of this mm-hmm. podcast. We dunked on Louisville and talked about how they couldn't defend Syracuse, buddy. If Louisville can't defend Syracuse, you tell me UConn can. Mm-mm. No shot. Joey, you got the soundboard ready, don't you? Oh, yeah, it's queued up. Syracuse, minus 23. Oh lock God. it up. Oh. You better lock it up. You better lock that it up. so many you points. Lock it up. So lock gross. It up. Lock it up. <laughs> Please. 
got to do what you got to do. We don't really lock up team totals around here. I, I would do that if it were me. I got I need to double check this number. 49, is that right? I love how we're talking right. I love how we talk like right over the sound there. Oh, 100%. Beautiful. Yeah, just um y'all know what they're yeah. saying under the under, under their are talking like Yes. Yeah, you know what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think first of all, Syracuse's defense looked really damn competent against Louisville. There's a lot of reasons to like that, right? You can talk mm-hmm. yourself into them covering three scores. Number's still 49. Goodness. And also, Mike, if you have $17 handy, you can get into this game. I'll throw that out there. I'd rather just take the $17 and throw it on Syracuse minus 23. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll do that instead. There you go. There you go. All right, Syracuse and the over for the both of us. Mike, you're locking up the over. We'll, I might come back and do that. Uh, I'm, locking up, I'm locking up Syracuse. Uh, oh, that's right. Syracuse Sorry. Points, yeah. Sorry. I will note I do that. Like, I, I do like the over, though. I, I do. Okay. I'll, I'll notate Syracuse and the points. That that It is a lot of points. It's too many for me to lock up. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm with you. I The one thing I did want to ask about this game, Syracuse making the road trip to play UConn after UNC went to play App State. NC State went to go play uh, ECU. And I think they're – oh, Virginia Tech Virginia goes Tech. to go play Old yeah. Dominion. Why do these ACC teams keep going on the road to play G five games? And and because the, I remember they're the, not they're an unserious conference. I don't. Yeah, I think that's it. It's that and or is like low key kind of a. I'm going to use this word. It's probably a little extreme for what it is. A little bit of a poverty conference. Like that's correct. Somebody, I, I think I don't remember it was Tom Fornelli or, or somebody re- last week uh, when all these ACC road games against G five teams were were going on. They pulled up the numbers and they they went back the last basically in the playoff era, the ACC has played more road games against the G five I believe than the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve combined. Yikes! Um, and they've lost like twenty plus of those road games against G five teams. Like, not only does it look kind of weird, but you're losing a bunch of these games, and it seems like it's all in in favor of like saving a couple of bucks. And what's and, and for what? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. At what cost? Just don't want to pay for just the one-off game at your own place, I guess. And yeah. Again, no, that's where I'm, the poverty thing comes in. Yeah. Let's just – we're an unserious conference when we do this. Yeah. So, to be clear, this is not a shot at Syracuse specifically. It's just like no, all of uh, these no. teams. Everybody, no. why are you doing it? Louisville, by the I've, way, you're going to UCF. Georgia Tech next week, going to UCF. Like, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> right. Stop doing this. I made fun of Virginia Tech for going to ODU. Everybody's like, oh, you're just salty because they lost. No, I think they should stop doing that, period. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we? Why are you going to play a game there? My opinion would have been the same if it was 52 to nothing Virginia Tech last week. Yeah. Like, it, it, stop doing this. Yeah. It's It saves you a few bucks, but you're certainly setting yourself up to to lose a game where you know the team you're going to play is going to be playing with their hair on fire in front of a loaded stadium that is is cheering them on. Like why go why go play in their Super Bowl on the road? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And people are like, oh yeah, it's for recruiting. You know, it helps with with you know regional recruiting. Nah, bruh, having them come to your house and then kicking the piss out of them is good for recruiting. I was gonna say everybody has a fun weekend at at, at the home game with like seventy thousand people there. That's thank, good for recruiting. Thank God that UNC can recruit in Boone, North NC State can recruit in Greenville, and Virginia Tech can recruit in Norfolk because they went and played road games there. <laughs> yeah, Virginia, Virginia Tech played in front of twenty one thousand fans 
at ODU, and it sent set a record uh, for the school. They're all in-state games. <laughs> explain to me. Explain to me how that does anything to benefit Virginia Tech playing in front of twenty-one thousand people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it, and that's that's just the examples they knew what the attendance was. Yep. Like every every school in the conference seems like they're doing it, except for Clemson. And hmm, what do you know? <laughs> There's one team that won six straight conference championships, has been to a couple of national title games, all that stuff, and they're the only one. They're not going on the road to Wofford. Okay. Why, why do you think Clemson's not playing at Coastal Carolina anytime in the next three years? Right. Oh, right. right. Yeah. They're Anyways. a 75 point favorite. Sy- Syracuse in the over against UConn is yes. what we're saying. Anyway, anyway uh, yeah, Syracuse in the over. I'm locking up Syracuse. Yep. Noon on the ACC Network, the Miami Hurricanes, a 25-point favorite at home against Southern Miss. Totals 51. Give me Miami in the over. I think they are going to run away with this. I think they might score 51 by themselves. This is another one that – this is like a whole scared money, don't make money situation for me, but I'm kind of scared money. Like, I'm tired. I I don't want to lock up these games, but, like, I feel pretty good about how this is going to go. Yeah, Miami Miami in the over. I'm with you. The only issue that – um, you might have if you're an over better is if Miami doesn't score 51 points. I don't think Southern Miss is going to score much at all. Yeah. So, I mean, Miami's going to have to do like 95% lift for you there. Yep. And, and these are again these totals. If you if you think about what the implied score is, that's roughly going to be what your your team totals are. I'm more tempted to bet the Miami team total over than the game game over. Um, yeah. I um, I think this is going to put Miami somewhere in the upper 30s, I believe. Yeah. Points yep. wise, like I think they'll score 40 here. Yeah. So I, I think they'll get there. Yep, I think so too. Same time at noon on ESPNU, the North Carolina Tar Heels. <laughs> speaking of seven and a half point favorite on the road, taking on the Georgia State Panthers at Turner Field. Uh, <laughs> sure. That's, that's Why all, not? That's what I know it as. Uh, total is 64. Speaking of teams going on the road to play G5 games, second one in a row for North Carolina. Uh, ugh, I hate this game. I don't. I want to watch it out of morbid curiosity. I do not know what to pick here. You like the over, though. I I think I do like the over. Yeah, yeah, we like the over. I mean, we're just gonna pick overs in Carolina games all year until further notice. Right until they don't until they don't hit one, just keep picking them. Yeah, just keep picking them. Um, I'll I'll be betting this game. Uh, only the over because okay. I don't not, not not the point spread, dude. I, I have no idea what's happening with this. Mm-hmm. Do you? Um, let me think here. So Carolina going to get into a shootout with Georgia State? Is that what we're going to watch on Saturday? Are we really going to do this? I bet we are. I, I bet we are. Like honestly, speaking of like going in and being a team Super Bowl. I mean. This is a relatively young program, uh, Georgia State, and not a bad one. Decent little fan base going around the Atlanta area. Like, you got a lot of alumni, and they're finding a reason to get engaged with this team. Like, man, you, you be careful. This this will quickly turn into a bit of a hornet's nest situation going in and, and playing at the venue formerly known as Turner Field. Um, right. I. I don't think I'm giving more than a touchdown with with North Carolina. If this is seven and a half, I think give me the nope. Panthers to cover at least. Uh, yep. I don't think oh, North Carolina least, loses. Oh, at least, here. at least. I I don't I don't think Carolina covers here. I don't think they lose, but it's it's on the table. 
give me uh I, I think Carolina covers. Give me give me Carolina in the over. I think Carolina wins this game by ten points. Uh not an easy spot though. Quite possible. Quite possible. Yeah. I mean, their offense is good enough that they're gonna score on anybody. And then it's just a yeah. question of like can they get three stops on Georgia right. State? Who knows? Uh, we'll find out. So, so far they've gotten zero <laughs> stops. Yeah. So. Exactly. Mike, that's all we've got. Uh oh, sorry, excuse me. One more thing I wanted to bring up with uh, North Carolina. We had an email come in from Mr. Chris Anderson. Uh, made a, brought up a couple of things that we hadn't mentioned coming off the App State game. So you tell me if this changes your perspective at all. So Chris says, hey, guys, love the podcast and the fact that I can count on you all to go in-depth on games I don't have the time to follow. Long oh, time- we got a podcast for you tonight. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Sure do, Bubba. Uh, long-time listener and Tar Heel fan here with two points I think worth mentioning that you all didn't address. And once again, this is one of those things where Mike and I are fans of like three teams in the ACC. It is really hard to keep up with all the minutiae and, and stats and all that stuff for the other 11. So we really appreciate when people take the time to kind of point out a couple of things that we missed. Um, this, yep. this, this helps. He said, number one, depending on where you look, Carolina won as a road underdog at App State. The first time that they would have done that since the epic thrashing of Miami in 2020. Get, get that Canes shot in. Good good stuff, Chris. Yeah, I love that. Yep. Unfortunately, that game probably represents the high point thus far of MAC 2.0. Correct. Um, that and or like the Orange Bowl game where they almost beat a really good Texas A&M team. Um, yes, right. Yeah. Number two, setting aside the lines, this was Carolina's first road win since that Miami game. That's a silly stat. And with all due respect to the COVID road environment in 2020, it was the first road win in a truly hostile environment since destroying NC State in November of 2019. Get that NC State dig into. Good job. I love this. They have a man two in a row. The facts don't neg- negate how bad the defense is, but I think I speak to how much of a program building win it can be. Fair. I think App would easily be in the top half of the ACC. Tough but fair. And any ACC team not named Clemson would be thrilled with a win there. Tough but fair. If Carolina's defense can just get a couple stops, I think they'll be fine. But that's a big if, tough but fair. Uh, <laughs> good email, Chris. Very, very much appreciate that. Mike, does that change your thoughts here at all? No. Carolina hadn't won a road game in like three years, and you're just like, oh, yeah, they'll go into Turner Field and win that game. <clears throat> I, no. doesn't. No. <laughs> well, no. I as think we, they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine this weekend. As we say around here, tough but fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they'll be fine. I think so, too. I think Emphasis so. on the think. I think so. I just don't know so. You seem like you kind of know so. So, but, you know. Well, I, I don't know about all that. The defense is bad, Joey. I don't know. And, again, the, the total's 64. The real the real point here, take the over. There's going to be a lot of points. Scored. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just bet the over on Carolina games and enjoy the TV show. Mm-hmm. I, if, especially if you're not a Carolina fan, like mm-hmm. I low key like don't really like Carolina that much, but I love watching them play right now because I like betting the over. I like winning bets. I will say that is not such a low key thing that like I do feel like Virginia Tech fans and maybe even Virginia fans. There, there's like a Virginia North Carolina thing going on here that there's like an extra level of dislike for North Carolina and, and UNC in particular. Coming from both Virginia Tech and Virginia, I feel like I don't know. I don't understand what it is. One day, maybe I will. But Virginia I've, I've Tech, noticed that recently. Virginia Tech fans got all salty because Mac Brown started keeping all the talent home and stole all Virginia Tech's recruits. So that's that's why Tech fans are mad. 
seems like more of a Fuente problem than a Mac Brown blame, but okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's no, no, that yeah. Let's be clear. That's I got nothing against Mac Brown. Got nothing to do with him. Fair it's enough. A Fuente thing. Fair enough. All right, take the over. I'll take the points with Georgia State. You'll take North Carolina to cover seven and a half. Yep, on the heels. Three more games against FCS competition. Starting at 3.30 on the ACC Network, the number five Clemson Tigers taking on Furman. We don't have lines here. Clemson's going to stomp them. This is what – I mean, this is a, a, just a little warm-up game for Clemson before they start getting into anything remotely tougher on their schedule. Be, be fun to watch Klubnik. Yeah, that, that's really the question here is at what point in the second to third quarter does Cade Klubnik come in the game? Um, we'll, we'll see. This is like a scrimmage for them basically. Um, we, we should note that I believe it was today. I don't, I don't know what day it is. I think it was today that <clears throat> it was Dabo. Today, yep. Yeah. They, they announced that they gave Dabo a new, what was it? 10 year, $110 million contract extension. Um, we don't know all of the buyout terms. It's, it, this is one of those things. Like I think like the, the contract that like Michigan state gave Mel Tucker and Penn state gave James Franklin, like some of these contracts sound like there are a lot of years and a lot of dollars, but the buyout structure is like really not prohibitive at all right right so we don't know that end of it for Dabo but I did have the question and again kind of going with a theme that I have gone on all this offseason is Joey hates Clemson is there a chance is there a reasonable world out there in the not so distant future where Clemson grows to regret this contract nope no nope none He's taken them to three national championships. He's won two of them. He Absolutely did? not. Absolutely not. Dabo took him there? He recruited the players, didn't or he? Or did Deshaun, Trevor, and Brent Venables take him there? He, he recruited the players, didn't he? I, yeah. Can you did do he? it again? That, great question. I don't know. Clubnick, Clubnick's a five-star, isn't he? So was DJ. How's that going? That's <laughs> Fair enough. Tough but fair. Tough but fair, as we say. <laughs> that was another thing that was pointed out today, by the way, and I think it was another podcast. I think it was Split Zone Duo was talking about. If you look at the staff, the the offensive staff for Clemson, like basically none of them have ever coached at the FBS level outside of Clemson. Like there is a shocking lack of experience. The defensive side, they, they've got plenty of experience. The offensive right, right. side is all just purely homegrown Clemson guys, which if you want to start explaining hmm. why can't they adjust their scheme like in the middle of a game, like yeah. have any of them ever done it? Have they had to do it? Like did they learn right. to do it? So you know, I so just another just another little thing to stick stick back in your uh in your back pocket and and marinate on a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Clemson can only be so bad in this conference, Joey. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you've got... That's another thing, too. A like, top seven roster in all of college football, and you're in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, you're... <laughs> it would it would take a miracle of the worst kind for you to be worse than, like, the third best team in the conference. Like, right. So... Right. Anyways. Uh, Clemson will stop Furman. 12.30 on ESPN3. This is the Jefferson Pilot special. I need to go find, like, a... <laughs> Need to go find like a sound effect for that. The number 18 NC State Wolfpack hosting Charleston Southern. Tim uh, Brando calling the game. <laughs> Tim Brando. God, I don't even remember like who the commentators were. Um, I think this has eventually been sold to Bally Sports. 
I saw a thing, by the way, just about this whole Jefferson Pilot deal a few weeks ago that apparently there was like some borderline corruption where like if you look back like six, seven years ago when the ACC redid its deal with ESPN and got the ACC network going and the whole thing, it was like, well, why does this game still exist? Right. Like this game wasn't available to be sold. And there was something about like this contract with Jefferson Pilot that became Fox Sports that's become Bally and whatever else like there was something like specifically in it for John Swafford that like made sure that this contract existed and, and was oh, maintained. Good. Yeah. Good. Glad we kept that. Yeah. It's some dirty, like corrupt nonsense. And that's why we can't like, we've always got to go find a game on a random local channel that they're going to switch to like a episode of the big bang theory at some point in the third yeah, I was quarter say, like, on my 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. So anyways, NC state going to kill Charleston Southern, I think. Yeah. No, they'll be fine. Too. Good, good bounce back for NC State. Uh, enjoy Jefferson Pilot. Finally, at seven o'clock on the ACC Network, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets hosting the Western Carolina Catamounts. Catamounts. The Catamounts. Catamounts. The uh, the alma mater of one Jeff Collins, mm-hmm. as well as one Paul Johnson. Ooh, does Jeff Collins have money on the Catamounts? Uh. There is a not-so-far-off world where I hope he has money on the Catamounts. Uh, because <laughs> it would be in his best interest to have that money. Because So here's the thing. is Funny, um, funny and not fair. <laughs> tough and not fair, yeah. Um, or just funny. So my question here is, if can Georgia Tech win this game? <laughs> and the reason I ask that is because it, if yes. they do... They can. It would be the first time in Jeff Collins' head coaching career that he, as a head coach, is above 500 in FCS games. Signs that you need to pay the buyout, Joey. If I had the money, Mike, it would be there yesterday. Um, I, I, buddy, <laughs> told you. You know. I have, a, I have a good friend of mine, a roommate from college, who said, my God, Joey must be so sick of Jeff Collins. And my response was, if he had the buyout money, he'd pay it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yep. We could send Charlie to college, or we could move on and do something else at Georgia Tech, and we know where we're going with that. I yeah, lied, quick update. Uh, Real quick, though. Quick mm-hmm. update. Um, can we get a quick update on your From the Rumble Seed column where you describe the Jeff Collins <laughs> annual experience? Because... You basically, I, I saw a tweet circulating on the interwebs today mm-hmm. that indicated that you were pretty much spot on short of a new bullshit slogan by Jeff Collins, which, Dude. you know what, Joey? Joey, I'll even give you credit for that, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote an article uh, a little over a year ago following the Northern Illinois loss. Uh, I wrote an article at From the Rumble Seat. Ooh, forgot about that one. That was the old, uh, we're in the endgame now article that I wrote like two, three weeks before I wrote the proof of concept article, but we don't have to rehash that whole history. Right. Um, I made a prediction of the next nine things that were going to happen. Wasn't the proof of concept following the Clemson game? It was the North Carolina game. Okay. All right. Where they smacked around North Carolina and then they looked useless for basically the rest of the season. Okay. Um, I made a prediction of nine things that were going to happen for the remainder of the Jeff Collins era. And um, if you have like a bell handy, just go ahead and, and hit that bell every time you hear one that has happened. Uh, Georgia Tech is going to finish this season winning about three games. 
Oh, insert the insert the part of the interruption, or no, no, around the horn, like adding the point sound. That's what we need. Boop boop. Yep. Fired a coordinator. Boop 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 boop. Made staff changes. Boop 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 boop. New offseason slogan. And eh, not really. I'll go wrong buzzer. Eh. Hype about new scheme. Boop boop. <laughs> Expectations to win seven to eight games. Uh, yeah, kinda. Maybe I don't know. It depends on the uh, you know eye of the beholder. Kelly Quinlan. <laughs> oh, Kelly Quinlan only. He, yeah, he had I mean, like six to seven wins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, we have three items left here that are yet to be really decided. <laughs> so buckle up. First one's a head scratching loss. This is a candidate. This is a this is a very good candidate. This is a candidate. Uh, missed a bowl game. That's likely on the table. Head coach fired. Absolutely on the table. So yeah, we are so far we are four for five, if not five for six on items that have happened. Um, so we will see. Maybe, maybe I'll fame. be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. All of Fame stats. <laughs> Some Barry Bond, all this Barry Bond shit. I was gonna say I'd be in the I'd be in the Hall of Fame in baseball for that one. That's right. Um, yeah, I think I, I think they'll be fine. I, I bought, by the way, I lied. Uh, Jeff Collins started one and zero against FCS teams. It was his first year at Temple. They beat Villanova sixteen <laughs> thirteen. It was his second year at Temple where they lost to Villanova nineteen seventeen at home at the Link in Philly. So in the words of in the words of LeBron James, man, he built a juggernaut. <laughs> a juggernaut. That's right. A juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, and then 2019, his first year at Georgia Tech. Of course, they lost to the Citadel. Hooray! Uh, <laughs> and then last year in 21, they beat Kennesaw State. So he Virginia, is two and two. <laughs> Virginia Tech's had some bad losses in recent years, man. But they lost to the Citadel. I think that is where I off myself. Dude. I think that's that's where the lines drawn, man. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Furman was almost that game a few years ago, but that Citadel would be it for me. That was that was one of the early turning points for people. Is like I realize it's game three, biggest transition, you know, this, that, the other thing, blah, 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 blah. But but dude, it's the Citadel. Yeah. Like, come on. And not to mention, he had spent a lot of that offseason like crapping on, oh, well, we don't run the option anymore. We run a modern NFL offense, blah, 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 blah. Multiple. We're multiple. Citadel goes out there, runs the option, beats that ass in overtime. Like, it was just a perfect little uh, perfect little schadenfreude moment. So, anyways, um, yeah, I think Georgia Tech gets it done. But I do, too. There is no perfect – no no irony more perfect than uh, if – if Western Carolina wins this game, his alma mater and his predecessor's alma mater beats him and basically signals the hundred percent. Like there's no coming back from this like game. It, it, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got like 35, 13 George deck. Yeah. They, that was about what they beat Kennesaw state by last year. So should be a comfortable win. If not, we got bigger problems. Yep. Mike, that's all I've got with the exception of the Bowling Green Falcons. <laughs> Taking on the Eastern Kentucky Colonels, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, this is, again, this is FBS versus FCS, so you don't get these lines until like 24 hours out. My question to you, Mike, is who's favored in this game? <laughs> Bowling Green closer than the experts think. Like less than a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, pro- like probably. Bowling Green minus four here. I mean, give me Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, give me the Colonels. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Money line. 
money line plus one fifty. Like, I might actually bet that. <laughs> Let's see what the line is. I might actually bet that. Bowling Green gave UCLA a game for like a quarter last week, so who knows? God, I can't. <laughs> the Scott Leffler. Uh, God, I forgot why I said it, Tony on the uh, week one preview. <laughs> it's, it's the uh, Scott. It's like the Scott Leffler game of the week or something like that. I mm-hmm. don't know what I said. It was funny. I gotta go back and listen. That's right. That's right. All right, um, Mike. That's all I've got. Do you want to go back and recap our picks right quick? Uh, just our locks, I guess. Yes, let's do it. So you and I both had under fifty nine in the Duke Northwestern game locked up. Yep. Uh, you had Syracuse minus the twenty three. And I'll, you know Sicko's what? Bet. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Just lay it on UConn. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like the team total for Syracuse more, but just give me the full game over for Syracuse, UConn, over 49. I think Syracuse probably gets there about by themselves. So let's go ahead and lock that one up. You better lock yep. it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. I do feel bad looking at a lineup of like nine FBS games that we have spreads for and such and only locking up two things, but I locked up three things last week and I went one and two, so uh, we're licking our wounds a little bit over here. I locked up Virginia Tech, and that was an L, and then I locked up Louisville, and that was an L. I'm 0-2, mm-hmm. need a dub. Yes. Here's to getting dubs. Yep. Mike, anything else before we get out of here and uh, go watch some games? Now we'll talk on the recap. We will talk on the recap. Let's do that. All right, let's get out of here, go watch some games, and hopefully get a little bit of sleep. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, just as Chris Anderson did. To yep. the longest email address. Shout out, no- Chris. Shout out to Chris. Longest email address, no demand, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, all those good places you go find podcasts. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Please do. Give us a rating there, please. Yep. Yep. Yeah, appreciate those who have. Mike, I think that's all I've got. Anything else before we get out of here? Go watch week two. Hopefully some of these games are more competitive than we think they will be. Hopefully. Um I'm going to also just throw this out there, and I don't think we we talked about this, but I'm I'm sure it's fine. Um, We are going to start trying to get in a rhythm, as it turns out, you know, know, with the kids having to be fed in the middle of the night, the whole thing. Uh, Yes. We're probably going to start doing these recaps starting Saturday evenings. Mm -hmm. We did that a couple times last year. We did. Yeah. Basketball conference after dark. That was fun. Um, when we do these initially for right now, it's going to be just, you know, again, just as we do it right now, but we've, we've floated the idea of doing kind of a, like a Twitter space and, or like a full on like live broadcast that people could like log into comment on, you know, watch us, you know, join us at the, the end of the day of college football and kind of celebrate the day that was. So if you're interested in that, hit us up, let us know if you think that's a cool idea. I don't know if anybody's still listening to this an hour and 22 minutes into this podcast, but if you if you are and you think that would be a good idea, let us know. We'd appreciate that um, that sort of feedback and n- knowing if that would be a, a fun thing for you. Definitely. So. Be fun for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. The more the merrier, as we say. That's right. Just like, you know, tough but fair. That's also the thing we say. Tough but fair. <laughs> 
the DJU exchange was money. Tough but fair. <laughs> Tough but fair. Mike, uh, that's all I got. You want to go watch week two, come back and recap the games? Long live the queen, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> and her knight, Servassier Dennis. <laughs> and her knight, Servassier Dennis. Third in line at the throne. <laughs> Mike, enjoy the games. We'll talk soon. Yep. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, go ACC. Go ACC.